Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. If you're awake, some of you are still struggling. Did you not have your coffee this morning or your special K? <laughs> or whatever it may be that your special breakfast is for you specifically. So that Virginia 10-miler, that sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, we've got something similar that we do down in Southern Pines that I love sending out teams to uh, get ready for, and it's actually called Autumn Fest. And so we get to stand on the corners, make sure nobody gets ran over by cars. Excellent. And then we also hand out water bottles and love on our city. So what a great opportunity you guys have to do such here in Lynchburg. And certainly would encourage you to join into that because that's how people come to know the love of Jesus when we're out there in our communities. So thanks so much, uh, Zita, for putting that together. That's exciting. Um, Just to introduce myself, my name is Desiree Bland, and I'm actually coming from Southern Pines, North Carolina. It's only about three hours away, and I work at Grace Church there. Uh, I work as the serve and multi-site pastor, and so glad to be back here with all of you. And for those of you who are here for the first time, glad to get to be acquainted with you all. So thanks so much for joining us this morning. And today we're going to talk a little bit about changing the conversation. Um, Some of you are professionals at conversations, (laughs) and other of us are kind of introverts, and it's a little bit harder for us to have. But conversations are great because you never know what's going to be the topic, right? Some people like to talk about their interests. Some people like to talk about the day's events. Some people like to talk about facts. Other people just, you know, want to talk about their family and friends. So there's several different ways we can have conversations. And I want to talk about, well, how does God want us to change the conversation? Because our conversations, as it says in 2 Timothy, can lead to kingdom things, or it actually can lead us away from kingdom things. The Bible tells us to stay away from idle talk. And so what is idle talk, and what should be the focus of our conversation? And so if you guys don't mind joining me in prayer, I would love to jump into the Word, bathed in prayer, and asking the Lord to speak to us, including myself this morning. So let's go together. Father, we just thank you so much for the privilege it is to be considered your children, that you would lavish your love upon us so that we could hear the conversation of your love towards us. God, help us to live out the conversation you want us to have, which is one of love. God, help us to love you well and help us to love others well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's interesting. Recently I just got back from a missions trip to Honduras, and I love going to visit missionaries all around the world. And hopefully this coming year I'll get a chance to uh, reach out to a new missionary that we have taken on at Grace Church in Africa. So I'm looking forward to that. But it's so exciting to see young people understand what it means to exercise their faith. And when they get pulled out of their shells of who they were created to be that was hidden, that no one had any idea the gift hidden inside of them. And so recently in June, I had the privilege of going down with our student ministry group and with our student pastor and just to see him for the first time leading his students on a mission trip. It was such a delight. But of course, anytime you go on a mission trip, you're hoping to get something out of it for yourself of what the Lord wants to speak to you. And so I went with great anticipation to have some time set aside for the Lord and I. And realistically, when I got there... It was like 6 a.m. in the morning all the way to like 9 p.m. at night. There was not my normal carved out time. So I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest with you. I was like, man, Lord, I was really hoping to have some alone time with you in a special way. But isn't it amazing that God teaches us in different ways than we expect? He teaches us in ways that we go, did I miss it? And then all of a sudden, on the way back, we get it. And so, it's the same thing with children. You have to kind of be on your toes. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this concept before, but not in a deceitful way, not in a way of trickery, but I believe God likes to be playful when teaching us things. 
He calls us his children, does he not? And the best way to engage children is speaking to them on their level and is engaging them into the conversation. And so I believe God uniquely designs conversations just for us as individuals and as a corporate body. And so here, all along in Honduras, I'm thinking, I missed the conversation and I didn't. He used unexpected moments to download some major truths that I've been asking him for. So just like a child, you have to be on your toes, ready for when is God going to intervene? When is he going to slip in? When is Jesus going to sneak in to the conversation? When is he going to sneak into a moment that I did not anticipate being so teachable? See, that's what I believe Jesus likes to do. And so I believe Jesus is very stealth-like. If Jesus was to be on a special forces, he would probably be like the leader of special ops because he knows how to sneak in, he knows how to get the job done, and he knows how to change the atmosphere. Does he not? (laughs) Thank God, because otherwise our hearts would never change. Right? And so we need somebody who knows what they're doing, and that is Jesus. And so I believe our God is stealth-like, and he knows how to get the job done. So if you don't mind turning with me to Luke 24, I've been chewing on this for quite some time, and it's been interesting to see how God will use the Word to transform your heart in ways that you did not imagine. And so here, this is where God has been talking to me about changing the conversation. See, it's so interesting. Sometimes we think people are not paying attention to the circumstance we're in or the conversation we're in. Matter of fact, my children, (laughs) they are so funny. They will be very adamant to make sure I know what time it is and what's happening. Uh, When it's lunchtime or dinner time or snack time, my son and my daughter will sneak in comments like, hey, Mom, so what's for dinner? Hey, do you know what we're planning or do you know what's in the refrigerator and things like that? And so they'll intercede a lot with, you know, interjecting, hey, Mom, do you know what's happening? And a lot of times I think their constant questions and suggestions are a little bit irritable. They Sometimes they irritate me because I'm like, I have a plan. I've got this. I'm a mom, right? I can pull anything out of the hat sometimes. You give me a box of macaroni and cheese and I will make it into like lasagna, okay? All right, you give me something that somebody goes, maybe we can't turn that into something. We will turn it into something. But I found out specifically... My kids interjecting and saying things like that are very helpful because they know what's in the fridge, right? (laughs) They have calculated what's in the fridge and what needs to be done for dinner time. They are stealth-like, and I've got to be on my toes to know that I need to invite them into the conversation because they know what's in that refrigerator, and I can go, so what did you think was going to be for dinner? What did you think was going to be for lunch? And when they give their ideas... It ends up being a great idea in the end, and it ends up changing the conversation, changing the direction of things. So it's amazing how God is stealth-like like this, and he will take moments and things that we think aren't helpful, and they end up being the most beneficial things to us. Have you ever read, and I'm sure you have and heard it over and over again, in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9? I'm just trying to give us a little bit of understanding before we head into Luke. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, (laughs) nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Pretty to the point. For as for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can you think of some moments that you thought were not helpful in your life? I can think of plenty. I go, man... That was just a disastrous moment. But then when looking back on it, I go, wow. There was so much to learn. There was so much to gain. And now there's so much to give away. There was so much to learn. So much to gain. And now so much to give away. I mean, can you remember when God in Genesis He showed up to save the nation of Israel for utilizing a drought. He then utilizes Joseph's brothers 
betrayal to save a nation. Could you ever imagine that such a dark and such a time of struggle that God would use that to save a nation? Can you remember when God showed up in the conquest of Jericho and he utilized the prostitute Rahab to hide the spies so they could go back and take back the information that was needed to conquer Jericho? Who would have thought? Who would have thought that God would have shown up and utilized that same prostitute to show up in the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Messiah? Her changed life, Matthew 1.5, there in Scripture. Who would have thought such a story, such a moment? Who would have thought that God would show up to save all of us? through crucifixion of his son. Who would have thought? That is a pretty painful, undesirable moment when we really stop to think what that is. It kind of rubs you wrong. But God would use that kind of a moment to release his glory, to release his name, to release his lordship over all things. See, he sends his way and he sends his glory and he sends his blessings at times in unrecognizable ways until we actually look back at our circumstances and say, wow, he was in it. Wow, he walked me through it. It's the whole concept of walking through the valley of shadow of death. We will never know what type of victory we have gained unless we've gone through some painful things. We will not know the victory if we don't know the opposite of victory. So he slips in, stealth-like, when we least expect it, just like he does to Cleophas and Simon in Luke 24. We're going to start at verse 13. It says this. And behold, two of them were going that very day to the village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself, they didn't send a messenger, he himself approached them and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So give you a little bit of history, a little bit of playing back of the days leading up to this journey. Jesus had just been crucified in Jerusalem. The disciples had been scattered. The three days had passed, and they heard from the ladies that Jesus has resurrected. So here they are on the road of Emmaus. They're not waiting in Jerusalem. They're walking away from such a horrible experience. Think about it. They had spent three years or less, but still years following Jesus, who was the Messiah, at least in this moment they thought. And they're wrestling with what they experienced, and they're wrestling with the truth that they were presented with. And they're talking and they're discussing. Was this really real? Was he really the Messiah? What the ladies really said, did he really raise from the dead? We didn't see it for ourselves, so how can we believe? They're walking away seven miles from Jerusalem. They are wrestling. What is the truth? They're having a hard time knowing what should the focus be. Is it on the truth, or should it be their perspective? See, they're wrestling. What is truth and what is perspective? It's said literally that their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So here they had known the truth. Jesus slips into the conversation because he knows they are seeking truth. 
see, the scripture says, if we draw near unto him, he will draw near unto us. They are trying to find the truth. And so he slips in, very stealth-like, into the conversation and just starts traveling with them, which is not uncommon back in the day. They would travel to cities together and they would pick up strangers along the way, and then along the way they would become friends. They would share life. They would share community. But they had no idea that it was Jesus with them. They had spent so many years with him, yet they had no idea. So close, yet so far away. How many times have you experienced not knowing what the next step is? How many times have you experienced, well, what's the truth in this situation? Or what is my perspective versus what God is really saying? All of us have. That's what they are experiencing here. But sometimes we approach things with the wrong perspective, our perspective, right? Not his, not a kingdom perspective, and we get lost in the mix. And that's what's happened to them here, which leaves us completely blind to what the truth is, completely blind to what really is happening. But just like I said earlier, if you want to know the truth, he's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your pursuit of the truth because he is the truth. And he'll show you he is the truth. So in Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, and knock, and it will be opened to you. He's very plain about it. See, Jesus will use undesirable moments and circumstances to stir up your pursuits. He will use those things that ail you to stir up the pursuit if you're willing to look for the truth. Now, if you get a little bit lazy about it and you're not going to pursue, then you'll just sit there. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just sit there. I want to go somewhere. Matter of fact, that's kind of how I am. I'm not one. I'm not really a homebody, so I love when I have the opportunity to come up here because I'm like, oh, I'm going somewhere. I get to go be with God's family in Lynchburg. It's so exciting to me because then I get to check in and see what God is doing with you guys and what God is doing in my life personally and how it connects and what God is saying. So for me, it's exciting to go somewhere. Matter of fact, my kids hate sitting at home. They're not homebodies either. They're like, let's go do something, mom. And so I just, for me, just sitting and doing nothing and just being still is really hard when God asks me to be still for seasons. And that's good, too. But a lot of times, faith without works is dead. Okay? You want to see changes in your life? You want to see a pursuit of him? Then start moving towards him. You don't have to have it all figured out. He's the one who has the plan, so go on and move with him. Just say, God... I'm sensing this is the change you're wanting, so let's go on, let's walk this on out, and of course you, of course, direct me because my heart is going to be pure before you. I'm going to keep my hands clean before you, and Lord, you can move me as you want because I'm just simply your servant. So here, that's what they're doing. They're wrestling with the truth. They're moving. They think they're moving in the right direction, and come to find out, Jesus slips in. So can you remember a time that you thought of an event or a time that you thought something was a hindrance to your pursuit of him. Maybe some chaos entered into your life. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you had to move somewhere. Maybe great sorrow entered into your life. But when you look back on those times, you will see he is using those things to produce some amazing fruit in your life if you will yield it to him. Can you remember the time that you paid, uh, you prayed for patience and then he gave you a teenager <laughs> and God worked it out inside of you? <laughs> I'm coming up on that soon. <laughs> I got two of them. <laughs> or maybe you prayed for being a good steward and then God had your money, your bottom line fall out and now you're having to learn what it means to be a good budgeter. Now you're going to be a really good manager of God's money, aren't you? Maybe you prayed for this experience of God ordering your life and all of a sudden chaos started whipping around your family and now all you have is to cling to him and to follow him and now he's putting everything into order in your life, just like you prayed for. (laughs) 
Or maybe you prayed to see God's power in such a way. Lord, let me see you move in ways other people have not. And then sickness enters into your family. Or maybe you prayed for God to be closer than a brother. And then all of a sudden, you lost all your friends. See, he teaches in the most unpredictable ways. He teaches sometimes through our loss, sometimes through our pain, sometimes through the chaos we experience. So when I was in Honduras and... Here I am going, Lord, I asked for us to spend some really great quality time together. What's happening here? And then one day I get a phone call at 3 a.m. in the morning, and I'm only halfway into my trip, and I get a call from my husband saying, Des, you need to come home immediately. I'm like, okay, what's going on? I don't think your mom's going to make it. So my mom, she's been struggling with stage 4 cancer for the last six years, which many of you know about. And she had been doing so very well prior to my departure. This was not a phone call I was expecting to receive. So here I am, having to pack up everything, calling the airlines at you know 3 a.m. in the morning. And, of course, that's the second thing I do. Because the first thing that entered my mind was, my Lord, my stepfather. See, my stepfather is not a Christian. And every time I have tried to provide comfort or care or extending Christ's love to him, he has a hard time receiving it. And so he doesn't ever want to talk about the Lord. He doesn't ever want to hear anything about Jesus. And so that was my next phone call as I picked up the phone to see how he was doing because here he is, a man without hope. He has enough money to pay for her medications, the best that could be afforded, but he can't do anything for his wife. He has all the knowledge that any man on this earth could have about the studies of cancer because he studies cancer medicines and procedures. That's what his job is at Duke. He has the most knowledge than any man or woman, and he can't fix his wife. So I pick up the phone and I say, Dad, I am so sorry. But I want you to know that God is there with you. And he's grieving with you. And he's there with you. He's available to you if you need him. That was the first time in 21 years that my stepfather allowed me to even mention his name without being hung up on or getting upset. Who would have imagined that God would use such a painful experience we've been going through to crack open the area of his heart to be able to receive some comfort? You have no idea. So for me, I go, wow, Lord, I can see now. You took me away from everything so I could hear clearly that I needed to call him next and then make the arrangements. Typically, we do not understand why God chooses undesirable things in our life that crucifies our flesh. But you must understand that those are the ways his kingdom works. It works the opposite than our earthly kingdom. Here we say, if you want something, go and get it. 
fill yourself up, fatten yourself up, get everything you possibly want and need. And yet, his kingdom principles say, you become less and I'll become more. That's completely different than the world system. So it amazes me in Luke 25 through 27, here Cleophas and Simon are traveling down the road and they're thinking this person traveling with them is just a nobody. It's just a stranger who's now going to become a friend. And they realize he's asking questions as if he's ignorant of the last couple days events of what's happened to Jesus, who is him. I think that's very funny. God has a sense of humor. He's like, what happened? And he really knows what happened. Just kind of like in the garden, he's, uh, God was like, where are you at, Adam? He knew where he was at. Come on now. <laughs> he can see all things. And sometimes he'll ask us questions like that because he wants to hear you pour your heart out. And the only way you'll pour your heart out is if somebody will ask you a question. Have you ever experienced that where you're bottled up and you've got so much going on and you wish somebody would bother to stop and ask you a question? That's what Jesus did. He knew that they were wrestling, and he's like, I'm just going to ask you a question. And that's typically what Jesus did when he taught. He would ask a question. And then out of the heart, whatever was stored up there is going to come pouring out, and then we'll deal with the real issue. Okay, so that's what he's dealing with. So in Luke 24, 25 through 27, it says, he said to them, Oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken? Why is it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. Have you ever lost something valuable to yourself? Something like keys. I lose those on a regular basis. It's kind of sad. My kids uh, have recommended several ways for me to uh, resolve this problem. Mom, you need a beeper. You need like a clicker. You need something because this is getting really out of hand. And a lot of times when I go looking for my keys, it's like right there on the counter in front of my face. I'm talking to them or it's in my right pocket. And I'm like, I just don't know where they're at. Mom, check your pocket. Oh, there they are. This is the same type of situation that's happening with them. All of a sudden now Jesus is unfolding the scriptures, everything that he's taught them over the last three years. And he's saying, everything I've taught you that hangs on the prophets and the law, do you not understand? And so he's explaining the things concerning himself with the scriptures. But it's so funny. When I lose my keys, it takes me retracing my steps. When I lose something valuable to me, I have to retrace my steps. That's what Jesus is doing with them. He's like, all right, let's go back through the scriptures again. Let's go back through the journey we've already traveled. Let me bring to remembrance what I've already taught you about myself. Jesus will do that. That's why I'm so big about journaling is because he can help me retrace my steps when I forget who I am. When I find myself in undesirable moments, I can go back to my journals. I can go back to the word of God and go, aha, you already taught me this. Forgot. Sorry, let's move on. (laughs) But sometimes we look past the obvious and we focus on the painful moment. I don't know if any of you have ever hurt your back before. It happens to me quite often. Uh, Matter of fact, to the point that I'll let it get out of hand before I go see the chiropractor and I'm kind of walking a little bit, you know, crooked. And it takes away from my whole day. My whole day is thinking about that painful spot in my side that is keeping me from walking straight. A lot of times we allow painful things to be the wrong thing and end up becoming our focus. See, he drew near to them in the conversation, helping them to rearrange their conversation because their conversation was more about their unbelief instead of the truth. It was focused on their pain, not that it's not okay to walk through those things. It is okay. 
but he wanted to refocus their conversation. Have you ever experienced telling God (laughs) that he was ignorant of what you were going through? God, don't you hear my prayers? Don't you know what's happening? Haven't you seen what I'm going through? That's kind of what they were going through at that moment. Or have you thought of God as an unactive bystander of what's happening? He's actually going through it with you. I'm amazing how God will use our brokenness, unexpected events, things that are weighing on us to literally press us so that the right things will come out of us, so that we will have a pure heart and we will have clean hands to serve him. In Luke 24, 28 through 30, I love this because this is where we see that their pursuit for truth is just boiling up inside of them because they are about to go to a different destination than him. But their hearts are burning so within them that they have to ask him to continue with them. He's no longer an ignorant bystander to them. They realize he houses truth. When you get to the point that you realize Jesus is not an ignorant bystander in your life and that he houses truth and you'll go to him when you are struggling, you will find yourself increasing in hunger for his word. You will find yourself increasing a hunger to sit with him. And it says in Luke 24, 28, and they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going farther But they urged him, not, hey, will you join us? Hey, will you please join us? They urged him, saying, stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. If you want to see more of God, when you start to sense that hunger arising in you, and you start to go with an urgency to the Lord, He's going to fulfill. He's going to come and he's going to reside where you're at in a greater way. It's almost the whole aspect of consecration, which is talked about in the Old Testament, even with the temple. You know, there are certain ways that you have to set yourself apart. I mean, that's what the priest had to do if they wanted to enter in. Now, obviously, there was only one that could enter into the Holy of Holies, but he had to go through several specific steps that the Lord told him to do in order to experience his presence in a unique way. If you're hungry for God, he may be asking some things from you that are a little bit unique. He may be asking you to grow in your urgency towards him, your hunger towards him. And that may mean casting off some things that are distractions. So their invitation to him demonstrates their desire that they valued his voice above all other voices and that he was no longer an ignorant bystander to them. Instead, now, they're desiring him more, so Jesus slips in once again to be able to make sure that they get what he's trying to talk to them about to help them change their conversation. So in Luke 24, 30-31, it says, When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread... You guys, he took the bread. He blessed it. And breaking it, he gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. When brokenness is offered up to God, he can enter in with his glory, and he changes the focus of our conversation. Let me say that again. When brokenness is offered up to God, whenever you have anything in your life, you offer it up to him, he will enter in with his glory and change the focus of the conversation. So, for example, they said, Lord, in that mealtime, he took everything, whatever was offered to him, that bread, he lifted it, asked the Lord to bless it, just like he did with the loaves and the fishes, just like he did at the table of communion. He took it. He said, give it to me. Let us commune together. 
He then offered it up to the Father. He then broke it, and he said, now it's time to give it out. That is what our lives are supposed to be. This is where he changes the conversation. He's like, if you want my glory to enter in, then you've got to offer me what you got. If you have pain, if you have undesirable moments, if you have joys, whatever it is, and you want more of me, you've got to give me a way to enter in. And the way I enter in is through brokenness, through a humble, a contrite spirit, a heart that is given over to me completely and fully. But you know what? We get distracted a lot where we don't offer ourselves. We go, I like this, I'm going to hold this for myself. Or, you know what, I think I can manage this on my own. Or, God, I don't understand why you left me like this. You're over there, I'm over here. No, he wants you to offer it to him. And when you do, that's when his glory can enter in. The other day I sat with my friend who just came back from a mission trip and it, she was so excited. She went away for a month to Costa Rica. And it was such a life-changing experience for her. But when she came back, she was just so distraught. She was exhausted because what she had experienced. And then she goes, I noticed the condition of my heart, Desiree. She's like, I don't know what to do because here I'm supposed to give away what I have. That's the whole point of being a disciple of Christ is to offer up what I have and to say, Lord, take this. Fill me up with you so then I can fill others up with you. She said, I'm just, I'm so broken. I don't know what to do. And so then we went through, (laughs) we went through Scripture. And when we went through Scripture, we realized serving isn't always joyous. And it's not a task list. It's not something that we just have to do. It's something we get to do. Serving is taking what we have and being willing to become less so that God can enter in with his glory. So that God can say, I'm here, I'm Emmanuel, I'm present with you, and I can help you with all things. So here Jesus is at the table with his disciples. He's breaking bread with them, and he's showing them the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, the fulfillment of all the commandments, everything. He said, hung on two things. What were those two things? It's found in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. We've heard this commandment, these two commandments, all the time. But everything in the law and the prophets is hanging on these two things. And he said, to them, or he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Very simple. And with all of your soul and with all of your mind, this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Here he had just got done walking with them, recounting all the events, it boils down to these two things. You know what, we've, what I found is we're really good at loving God, but we're not really good at loving others. We're really good at loving God, but we're not really good at loving others. I mean, to put somebody else's needs in front of my needs, that's pretty hard. And to realize that's worship. When I do it with the intent of God I want to be broken. I want to be yours completely and wholly. I want my soul, my mind, my actions, everything we sang in that last song. I want you to have all of me. I want you to have my agenda for the day. I want you to have my money, my family, everything. And say, you know what? I'm going to serve your purpose for this day. That is worship. And that is serving. Serving is not It is not, I guess I have to do this today because somebody's got to hold the door. I got to do this today because I guess nobody else is going to show up and do worship. I got to do this today because nobody else is going to pay the bill, so I need to help tithe. No, worship is realizing our lives are no longer our own. Your marriage is no longer yours. It is his. When it is 
given before him and saying, God, consecrate this marriage. You are not married to that person for your own benefit. It's for the kingdom purposes. It's for a bigger picture than you. And so thinking about divorce, you're not thinking about what God asked you to do. When we enter into that new covenant of love with the Lord, we're saying, God, you can do all things. You can take my pain. You can take my brokenness. And I'm going to just give it to you so you can enter in with your glory and people can see you're real. And that's what's happening in this moment when he's sitting at the table with them. Give me what you have. Let me bless it. Let me change the conversation, and you're going to see what this is all about. And then I'm going to have my glory enter in through this conversation, and you're going to go out and you're going to hand it out, and it's going to bring healing to the nations. That is amazing. That God would take our brokenness. He would take what we have, and it's worship for his kingdom. See? A lot of times, though, we look for God's glory to come in this big, booming factor. I mean, look at what our brothers and sisters did, the nation of Israel. They were expecting the Messiah, right? The Sadducees and the Pharisees, they thought he was going to come and overtake the Romans. That's what they were looking for, for glory that way. But here, the glory came as a baby in a manger. And their king and their Messiah crucified on the cross. If that's how he chose to enter then, then what makes it different in your life? If that's how he chose to have his glory enter in, what makes it different in your life? Why not say, why not me? Why not me? But you know what I think is so funny? How many of you guys have gone on family vacations? (laughs) I'm sure you probably have. If not, then I'm sure you have an adventure ahead of you. So I think it's hilarious when we look back at family vacations and the memories are so wonderful, but we forgot what the experience was like. We go back and we look at the pictures and we go, oh, wow, you remember that? And we totally forgot that our kids were hitting each other in the back of the car, yelling at the top of their lungs, you took that from me, or you took my seat, or, or, you know, or perhaps you and your husband are like, make a left, make a right. No, you're not driving right. Oh, my goodness, why didn't you put gas in the car? We're getting close to empty. How many times we forget the process of that family vacation, and we see these pictures, or what I think nowadays for our lovely young generation We put everything on Facebook and Instagram, but it's always picture perfect. And it doesn't show the process you took to get that picture. Right? Let's be honest. There's a little bit of pain to get that picture. (laughs) There's just a little bit of pain. And why would we think that's different when it comes to kingdom things? So... In Luke 24, 33 through 35, it says, And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They had walked seven hours. And remember, it was nighttime. Something really impacted them. Their conversation was no longer about the wrestling of their unbelief. They're like, man, we got to do something. Let's finish this meal. Let's head on out. And they found, gathered together the eleven and those who were who are with them saying, the Lord has really risen. Really risen. Not kind of, really risen. It's now their testimony. It's now their mission. It's not the mission that Jesus was talking about. It's their mission. And has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. You want to recognize Jesus? It's in those moments of your breaking. It's your breaking point. Let me tell you that 3 a.m. phone call, I knew Jesus was in the midst because I saw the fruit and there was breaking taking place. I wanted to go in my bedroom, 
crawl up like a little baby and start crying and just go, oh my goodness, you know, but I had things to do. I had to comfort my stepfather because I knew that's what God asked me to. It was not time for me, not that I'm not going to take time to cry because I have, trust me, but it was not the time for that. God had given me a mission in that moment and he said, this is what you're going to do. It's time for you to be salt and light to the earth. Let's go. That's what happened here with these disciples. He said, I made my mission clear. You recognize me finally in the breaking. In your breaking, take time to recognize what he's saying to you because he's trying to equip you to give it away to somebody else. Take time to recognize what he's teaching you in the breaking because he's trying to teach you something to give away to somebody else. Matter of fact, you've seen Pastor Jimmy come up here as well. Uh, He's one of our campus pastors in Southern Pines. And him and his wife have had to walk through a tremendous journey the last two years where her life was dangling. And it's funny, before she entered into that season, when she left uh, doing children's ministry at Grace, her and I had a conversation that she had sensed that the Lord was telling her, and even Pastor Randy confirmed it. I feel like God is taking me into a new season. He's going to teach me some things I need to give away in messages. And I'll tell you what, that is what is happening and has happened. The messages to the nurses that took care of her, that saw her at times where her family were asked to come in because they weren't sure she was going to make it. And here she is. Just just pray for me. Her messages that the Lord gave her in her breaking. What are the messages that God has given you in your breaking? That's what the disciples had finally got. The Lord has really risen. He wants you to recognize in you, where has he really risen? Where has God really risen? This is the change of the conversation. It's no longer just truth, but it's truth that reigns over you. Let me say that again. It's not just truth. The sky is blue. That's a great truth. Maybe, but in science we know that it's really not blue. Um, But it looks blue. (laughs) But it's different when you know that you know that you know that you know what really took place. God wants you to know he is really risen. But see, there is a journey. There's a journey that takes place. God will reveal truths to us. But he's so patient to walk along the journey with us, knowing his revelation has to take time to renew us. Okay? He knows there is a time period between the reveal and the release. He knows that there is a time between the reveal of the truth and the release. For example... How many of you guys have got our like tech people? I love technology. I absolutely love it. Some of you may be PC people. You may be Apple people. I love Apple. I used to be a, be a big PC person. But I get excited when I see the new types of technology coming out. But sometimes I'm like, I know my budget can't afford that. But, man, if I could. The interesting thing is, is when a new piece of technology is revealed, you don't want to buy it right away. Right? And you have and when they reveal it, right, they gotta wait a couple of months because they want to grow the anticipation, right? Because they want you to be ready to buy it, that there's a couple months or sometimes even later the months, there's then the release. The same is with God's truth. There is a period of reveal and then there's a period of release. God knows that there is a span of time of the redemptive word as well as the fresh rhema or uh, word of revelation 
that has to renew you. It's got to work itself out inside of you. Right? It talks about that in Scripture that it has to work the salvation inside of you. It talks about that in Scripture. And so that's what's happening here. Salvation is working itself out. And now they're realizing we got to be on a mission. Yeah, Jesus told us about it. It was a truth, but it was not my truth yet. Now it's their truth. So how is God asking you to change your conversation about your circumstances? How is God wanting us to change the conversation about your personal life, about our life as a church, about serving one another. There will be two questions that God will ask us in heaven. Two questions. Very simple. It's what you saw in Matthew. Did you love me? My son, right? Did you love me? Did you come to me through my son? And the other question is, is did you love your brother well? Did you love your neighbor well, right? Everything hangs on those two things. So how is God today wanting us to change the conversation? Are you loving God well? And are you loving others well? Are you loving others well in your family, at your work? Here at church, in our community. That's what serving is about. When we take our lives and we say, God, it's yours. Everything. I offer it to you. Bless it. Even Jesus did it with the fish and the loaves. And then he breaks it. And then it's offered out. So what is God asking you to do to change the conversation in your life, in the lives of others, so they will get your life is a life of worship? Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.